Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. How many have seen Facing the Giants before? Quite a few of you. This is... Uh, who hasn't seen Facing the Giants? Oh my goodness. This Okay, like I said last week, some Christian movies are really cheesy. This one does have some cheesiness factor to it. But as a Christian movie, this one's really good. And if you like football, it's a great, great movie. And it's based on a true story of, the, uh, of this team who ended up facing the Giants. And so uh, here they are in one of the championship games. And they, it's funny, one of the scenes, they actually show the one team and they're looking at the others, the Giants, and they literally look like Giants. They're about two to three feet taller than everybody on that team. And so uh, it's, a, it's a true story. It's a really neat story of them just facing the Giants that are within, you know, right in front of them. And it's a football, you know, analogy there. And I love football, so anytime I can get some more football, it's good. Um, but here's what I want to say. With that in mind, that clip in mind, here they are, and, and, and they get down, and, and basically if that other team, the Giants, would have scored, uh, they would have sealed the deal. And, you know, the coach is yelling at them, build me a stone wall, and he's talking about Nehemiah and how he built the stone wall. And he says, just give me another down, give me another down. And he continues to do it over and over, and he stands there with his team, and his team does every single down, and they just say, we're not going to let these Giants through. We're not going to it. We're going to continue to face it. We're going to stick here. We're going to stick together. We're going to stick arm by arm and we're going to make sure that they do not get by us. Come on, man. What a representation of the church, huh? I mean, that's, to me, that's what, what church is. And this is what I want to say uh, is God does extraordinary things through ordinary people. Doesn't he? I, I believe that. And, and if you think I just called you ordinary, I did. Um, we're all ordinary, you know, especially when we compare ourselves. And, and, and I don't know about you, but there's always somebody doing something greater than what you're doing. If you own a business, there's always another greater business person. You know, if you pastor a church, there's always a bigger church. If you, you know, preach a message, there's always a better preacher. You know, if you, if you go fishing, somebody always catches smaller fish than me, but most people a bigger one, all right? No, but we have these things, and there's giants that we face all the time. And I want to talk about what it means to face giants in our life. You know, circumstances of this week, but then also giants in your life. Okay? And some of those giants, you maybe don't even realize that are there. And so, I, it's been seven years. Seven! That's a long time. Since I've even mentioned this person from the stage, uh, their name is from the Old Testament, in any kind of message. And in my belief, he is one of the most under- Rated yet most incredible people in all of Scripture. One of my favorite characters in all of the Bible. And, and we very, 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 very rarely hear about him or what he did. He's an underdog. And in what he does, we see God's power demonstrated through him. Now, you don't have to raise a hand, but I don't know about you, but in my life, there's been often times where I have felt like the underdog. Or times in my life where I have found myself rooting for the underdog. Found myself, you know, hoping, you know, for example, that the Patriots didn't go to the Super Bowl this year. This person, his name means that God has built him. He was a very determined, courageous, bold, fighting individual. Displays incredible strength. 
He also displays trust in everything that he does. He's the kind of guy that you'd want on your team with you. King David has three of these mighty men. And then David also has 30 great men, the Bible says. And within Scripture, he wasn't included with the three mighty men, but he was greater than the 30. And so he's in between, he's highly esteemed. In fact, King David puts him in charge of his entire bodyguard. How many want to know his name? Nobody cares. Alright, so let me show you this giant's letter. How many have ever gone on a giant's letter or ropes course? You ever done one of these? Okay, these are crazy. This is very similar to the one I'd done. The rungs are about four and a half feet apart. And the first time I ever did a giant's letter, I was in high school. And so you climb up 30 feet in, into the trees, and you're walking on like tight lines across throughout this whole thing. And, but the best part is at the end, if you've ever done one, what do you get to do at the end? The zip line down, baby. That's right. And that's so much fun. And, he, and back then when we did it, we didn't have any way to stop you at the end. We actually literally, no joke, we took out tarps to catch you. And, uh, you know, I was at this time, at this camp, I was five foot one the first time I tried to do the ladder. And so uh, it was the beginning of camp, beginning of the year, and so I got up on the ladder and I tried, that, that's not me, um, but I tried to get up and I could get up past the first rung. And then it was really difficult to keep climbing up this ladder. And so I had this goal in mind. I said, you know, here's what I'm going to do. All year long, I'm going to try and, and like work my muscles, work on my upper body strength. I'm going to go like crazy. I was a mountain biker up at the camp. And I said, at the end of the summer, I want to be able to go back to this giant's ladder and actually climb it you know, again. And so we did a staff day. We got to go back to the ladder. And uh, for us, it was called a cope course or just a high ropes course. And it was the last day of camp. It was my last chance. And I have to tell you, for a long time, I was really scared of heights. And so not only could I not get my feet, you know, because I was a shorter guy across this ladder, I was afraid of, you know what it's like 30 feet up in the middle of trees? It's creepy if you're not a heights person. It's creepy. And so we climb up there and uh, I, I get on the first rung again, and it was just a whole different situation. Worked as hard as I could, and I faced that, that giant's ladder, got up there, and, and the other people were like, we do it all the time. We don't even care, you know? And, and here's what I want to share. There's going to be things in your life that people look at that don't think are big deals. For you, it's a huge deal. For you, it's something you stare at, you see, you try working on for, for a long time. You know, many of you know my, my battle with weight. I was 306 pounds. Now I'm about 260. So you know, right around 40, 50 pounds that I've lost. That's my giant that I'm still trying to figure out every day. And many of you have given me tips, and I appreciate that. I can't do them all. And so I have to find out what works for Pastor Chris. You have a giant. We all have giants that we face. We all, maybe it's mental giants. Maybe they're physical giants. You know, and, and so what I want to give you is just show you some biblical example, or one biblical example of a guy here in the Old Testament, who you are going to learn about today, who did it, who conquered these things. And I believe that we can, but we got to do it together as a church. And we also have to be there for those that are facing those giant situations in their life. Can I hear a good amen from somebody this morning? Come on, let's hear an amen. Amen, amen just means so be it if you didn't grow up in church like myself. We all face giants. Some of them seem insurmountable. They seem like, how, how do I do this? How do I, how do I make it? We question hope. We question faith. We even question God himself. And then 
Some pastors do a great job of telling you, well, you can't ask those questions in church. Then I wouldn't go to that church. Because questions need to be able to be asked. Why? Now, if I was here to tell you I had the answer to all your questions, I would be a liar and a hypocrite. Because I have my own questions. I have a list of things that I keep adding to my journal every day that I want to ask Jesus when I get up to eternity. And maybe that's why it's called eternity, because it's going to take that long for him to answer me. But I'm not here today to answer all the questions, all the things that are going through our mind. But I'm here to look at the giant that's in front of us, both as a church and both individually. Whatever that is. And if you don't know what your giant is, ask your wife. (laughs) Or your children. Or children, ask your parents. His name, Beniah. Everybody say Beniah. Beniah. 1 Chronicles chapter 11, verse 22 through 24. There's not a lot in scripture about him. It says, Beniah, son of Jehida, a valiant fighter from Kabzeel, performed great exploits. He struck down two Moab's, excuse me, struck down Moab's two mightiest warriors. He also went down into a pit on a snowy day and defeated a lion. And he struck down an Egyptian who was five cubits tall. Although the Egyptian had a spear like a weaver's rod in his hand, Beniah went against him with the club. He snatched the spear from the Egyptian's hand and defeated him with his own spear. Such were the exploits of Beniah, son of Jehida. Three things that Beniah did. Three, in this little tiny chunk of scripture. Maybe you've never read this before, man. Memorize it, highlight it. This is such an awesome story of this person. He's one of my favorite. Because the depth that's involved with whoever wrote First Chronicles is incredible. And so we're going to have a little Bible study for just a moment this morning. Because there's three things he did. What did he do first? Well, he defeated Moab's mightiest warriors. These two guys, we don't know anything about them other than they're from Moab or they're Moabites. First is this. Moab symbolizes the flesh. Okay? If you're you're next to somebody that you love or know or or that you want to ask out on a date, just touch their arm for a second. That's flesh. Okay? Your flesh. Your skin. All right? But that's not what I'm talking about right here. All right? So that, that's like your body. That's, that's your human, you know, makeup. Your flesh, though, can be interpreted in many different ways. And you might say, well, how did you go from Moabite people to flesh? And here's the deal. Anyone would have known the tribe of Moab came out of incest, actually. And so you can do the research for just for time. I'm not going to get into all of that, but Lot actually uh, slept with his daughters and out came Moab, and, and it's just a mess. And we go back to the root of that, and it was actually a fleshly root. And so when you think of flesh, it's not just the skin, it's not just the, you know, your, your wife's biceps or your husband's biceps or the person next to you. It's not just your skin. But when I say flesh, it can be interpreted like we looked at last week, a preference that you have. Maybe, maybe your preference is absolute. It can be unforgiveness. You know, you haven't been able to forgive. Sometimes, some of the hardest times to forgive is towards yourself than others. Maybe it's something you've been offended by. Anybody here ever been offended? Anybody ever read on social media anyone that's been offended? You know, that's my favorite not. Maybe it's blame. You know, flesh can be blame. The list goes on and on. Maybe it's for you. Maybe it's not any of those. And maybe you go, what? You know what? I'm good. People don't offend me. Nothing offends me. Nothing hurts me. And, and what happens is 
You're a people pleaser. You're trying to please everybody else and you're dying on the inside. Maybe that's your flesh. That comes from my experience. I've never want to offend anybody. You see, our minds are most often our biggest giants. Your mind is one of your biggest giants. It stares right in front of you. In fact, your mind, do you realize that we lie to ourselves constantly? I'll give you a great example. I don't know about you, but I love chocolate cake, man. You love chocolate cake? When I was younger, I used to like gummy bears and like Swedish fish and all that kind of candy. And I got saved, you know, like I went to chocolate cake. I love a good chocolate cake, man. And, and yeah, and so I, I get chocolate cake as much as I can and start making torts and flourless chocolate cake. And my wife makes a, a black bean cake, which sounds absolutely nasty. It's really good. There's like three million eggs in this cake. It's just high in protein. It's, I, I don't care how I get chocolate cake. I don't even care if there's zucchini in it. I will eat it if it looks like chocolate cake. I don't even care if it's made of dates and I think it's chocolate. Just mess with my mind. But here's the deal. With my love for chocolate cake... My struggle, my giant weight loss, I make excuses. I'll lie to myself. I'll be like, you know what? It's okay. You, d- you did a good job today. You didn't get offended. You can have a piece of cake. And so I start lying to myself. We do that constantly. looks different in your situation than it does mine. For you, maybe it's not chocolate cake. Maybe it's meatloaf. I don't know. But we lie to ourselves. We let ourselves down constantly. We're our biggest liar towards ourselves. And so what what do we have to do? It says in 2 Corinthians 10.5, it says, We demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God, and we take captive. means like putting it in prison. Every thought to make it obedient to Christ. Well, Moab represents this flesh. Going, hey, you know what? I have to take my flesh and I have to make it captive. That's demonstrated by this mighty man of God, Benaiah, when he goes and he strikes down these two Moabite men. We don't know anything else other than that. And so we know Moab represents the flesh. And so that's one thing that we get out of that story. The second thing is this. He defeats a five-cubit-tall Egyptian. Five cubits? What's a cubit? It's not that game you buy at Walmart or Target. A cubit is literally this... You know, thank God that we don't use this measurement anymore. Everybody go like this right now. Just go like this, okay? Just, just put your hand like this, okay? Now, now look to the person next to you and, and the distance between your elbow and the tip of your middle finger. Okay, don't get any weird ideas right now. But the tip of your middle finger to your elbow, that's one cubit. Is your cubit the same as the person next to you? Probably not. That's why we don't use that unit of measurement anymore, okay? It's not a very accurate unit of measurement, but about five cubits. So for me, that means this guy is ten feet tall. That's huge. This, this guy's a beast. And so, second, Egypt actually represents right here a symbol of worldly bondage. In other words, it represents the world, everything that the world has to offer. When Jesus was tempted by the enemy, what did the enemy tempt him with? Success, power, this is all yours. Well, he already had it all. <laughs> like, you know, it's kind of an oxymoron. Jesus was the one in control, not the enemy. Jesus is still the one in control, not the enemy. And here he is. Benaiah, and he strikes this ten-foot guy down, this Egyptian guy with his, you know, snatches his spear and turns it on him. I don't know what the world represents to you, but some of the things it can represent is success, power, Money, even peer pressure, and 
And what happens, and I'm not saying money or success are a bad thing, but it can be used for the wrong thing. Okay, the Word of God says it's not, it doesn't say money's the root of all evil. It says the love of money is the root of all evil. And so we have to realize what's the root. Are we going after, how do we tackle the worldly beliefs? How do we tackle the peer pressure? Well, we need to look into God's ways and God's examples. We talked about it last week, the Good Samaritan story. Here it was, you know. They did not want their prestige to go down by going and touching, you know, the person over here who could have been unclean. But the Samaritan who hated the Jewish people stopped and he did it. That's the example we're to take away from there. John chapter 16 verse 33, it says, I have told you these things, Jesus' words, so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble. I want everybody to say this next part with me. Come on, everybody together. But take heart, I have overcome the world. I don't know about you, but that just gives me hope today. That Jesus overcame the world. What does the world look like to you? He has overcome that. (coughs) Number three. The other thing that he did is he defeated a lion on a snowy day. I love this. I love this. You see, we got the Moabites. They represented the flesh. The Egyptians, great success and power that day, represented the world. So what does the lion represent? It represents the enemy. You know, and for me, it's not a lion. For me, man, you know, you know one of the scariest things for me? It's not a lion. Like, if I, if I saw a lion, I, I'd probably want to pet it, which I know I shouldn't. Okay? Polar bears. I am deathly afraid of polar bears. How many remember... Now, you're, you're wondering why, and I'll tell you why right now. Here's why. How many remember those cute little cuddly Coca-Cola commercials? Those are evil. They like present polar bears in this really nice, and that's what I thought they were like. I'm like, I just want to pet it. We'd go to Como Zoo and see the one that's you know trapped in there, and and like we'd, I'd be like, all right, that was not a ploy to get you on one side or the other with zoos there with what I said. I was just testing you. All right, but then I look and I decide, and here's where my hatred and my scare of polar bears came from was I decided I said I want to drive as far north as I possibly can from Minnesota. And it went up to this place in this island you have to drive to and then you have to take a boat over to way north. I don't even remember what it's called. And it's some like polar bear national park in Canada that I'm looking at. And I'm like, that'd be awesome, you know? You're like, you know, you're hanging out with the polar bears. Like, how cool is that, you know? And I mean, just, you just see them come up and, you know, like black bears in the bounty waters just bang pans they go away, right? <laughs> no. No. It says in there, and it's got like 18 different warnings, like asterisk, 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 red, red, red. And it says, if you come to our nice, beautiful scenery up here in northern Canada, make sure that you bring an electric fence with you to place around your tent while you camp in this park. Or don't come. Who wants to go on a trip? Some of you are nuts. I'm not going there. Go back to Benaiah. Here he is. We don't know where he is. We don't have a lot of details of the context of when this happened. So let's take what we do know. One, it's snowing out. Okay? So there's not a lot of shadows happening. We know he goes to a cave. We have to guess that he's going to a cave, not because he's like wanting to hunt out a lion, but he's probably looking for shelter. It's probably cold. He's probably trying to find, where, where can I go for safety? And he goes down into this pit. He goes into what he thinks is safe. And there he faces this lion. 
And it's there. And now imagine, if it's not too bright out, when it's, you know, snowing, it's usually not as bright, sometimes a little brighter, but probably not. And he goes down. And I don't know about you, but maybe this was still where this line was a little bit dormant. You know, maybe that's what helped him accomplish his task of defeating it. I don't know. But in that moment where you hear that, like, I'm out of there. I'm out. Like, peace out. I'm, I'm no longer facing this giant in front of me. I'm out. And I'm running, and I'm, you know, and he's going to run after me probably, is how we see it in the movies. And, and he faces him head on. Head on. Takes him, just stands there. I don't know what he did. We don't, we don't know Benai, and none of us have met him before. But i got to believe when he goes into that cave, and he's already seen great exploits. He's been part of these mighty men. He had this confidence that he walked in there with others with. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. Be alert and of sober mind. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, lion looking for someone to devour. You see, the lion represents the enemy. I'm going to tell you straight up today. The enemy wants to destroy you. The enemy hates you. The enemy hates that you love Jesus and hates that you're even here right now. This morning at the bridge, being a part of this. We need Jesus and we need each other to face those giants. It's the only way we can do it. It's the only way. In all three of these circumstances, he didn't run. Now, I, if, if I asked, took a poll, how many of us would run in any of those circumstances? I'd probably run in all of them. I'm a chicken. Okay, like, I'm out. I'm out. He didn't give up. He stood up to the giant that was faced right there. Some of you in this room right now this morning have giants you're facing today. Some of you have giants in front of you that no one else knows about because you're too embarrassed about the giant that you're facing. Please know, I can only speak for the church here myself. I can't speak for others. But whatever that giant is that you're facing, will you allow us to face it with you? I want to face it with you. There's nothing you're going to say to me or our staff here that's going to scare us. We, we've heard just about everything, okay? Nothing you're going to say is going to surprise us. But be okay with saying something. Be okay with saying, hey man, this is the giant that I have right now. And I just need you to be the church and walk with me through this. And we will. Hand in hand. Hand in hand. In all things that Benai is known for, he faced the adversary every single time. The underdog, the overlooked. I mean, don't raise your hand, but how many of this is the first time you've ever heard the name Benaiah? You know, for me, it wasn't until the devotional where I'm like, I didn't even know this guy existed in my Old Testament. And yet overcame all three of these times. Do you ever feel like this? Like, you can't do it? Or you don't have the strength? Or no one's pulling you up by your bootstraps saying, you got this, you can do this. Or are you looking at that giant and going, this giant's too big. Like that, that ladder for me, man. The first time I tried it, I'm like, I physically can't do this. Figured out a way. Got up there. We did it. Give me one more thought with this scripture here. And that's in regards to Benaiah. Stay with me as the team comes up here. He goes into this cave, into this pit. He defeats this lion who represented the enemy. 
Now, if you've been a Christian a long time, you might connect the dots. If not, let me get us all on the same page. What is that symbolizing in our New Testament? That's symbolizing we took communion together, the fact that Jesus gave his life. That Jesus, depending on your belief, either literally or symbolically, went to death, went to Hades, went to hell, snatched the keys so that you and I can have life eternal. It's a representation. It's a prophetic word in our Old Testament. Though it's historical with Beniah, it was a shadow of Christ to come. And I want to leave you with one last scripture here that's about Jesus. Because everything in the Old Testament points to Jesus. Everything in your New Testament points at Jesus. But it all centers around Jesus. All of it. It says this, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 57. The Apostle Paul wrote this, and I don't have this on the screen, and here's why. I want you to get this in your spirit this morning. I want you to be able to just think on this scripture. I want you to be able to see that this is the Jesus in whom that we serve. 1 Corinthians 15, 57. If you want to write that down, you can. It says, but thank God He gives us victory over sin, over death, through our Lord Jesus Christ. The only way to have that victory is by accepting Him. By saying, Jesus, I want to serve you. This morning, you have a chance to do that. Every Sunday, you have a chance to do that. Or you go, man, I screwed up this week. Lord, i got to make it right. He is the God of multiple second chances. Amen? Meets us where we need to be met. That's what He's doing right now and today. So here's what I want to ask you to do. We're going to pray in a little bit. We're going to sing uh, just a part of a song here together in just a moment. Um, if you did not, on your way in, get a keychain. Pink's not your color. I don't care. Grab one because keep that in memory of Parker this morning. Keep that. We're going to pray for him. But this morning, as I pray for you, if you have never made that decision to follow Jesus, make it today before you leave. It's the best thing you can do. Commit to him. Period. Would you stand to your feet? and sing with us.
one more time. Come on, make it your prayer this morning. You are waymaker, miracle worker, promise keeper, light in the darkness, my God. you know the giants in front of us sometimes they maybe feel like they're chasing us Lord whatever the giants are for each person in this church this morning would they know that there's people next to them behind them with them would they know that your Holy Spirit is there to fill them to protect them Lord I thank you so much that we get to be the church Lord, those giants that we all know about in our church this week that seem too big to even figure out how to put a foot in front of the next. May we in those times hold on to even if it's a small piece of truth that we know to be true of you, but in those times that we know that we know that we know that you are king. You love us, Jesus. And Lord, just as we sing, you, you make a way where there seems to be no way. You keep your promises, Lord. You're a miracle worker in the midst of the hurt. You're a miracle worker in the midst of any giant that we face. And so today we trust in you. Lord, some of us say we trust in you by faith today when we don't feel like it. And Lord, I invite you to hold us, to heal us, to help us, and to lead us in this journey that we're on called life together. Bless this church. Bless the bridge. Bless every person that can hear my voice right now. And would you be with us in this week, in this month, and in these years to come. We pray in Jesus' name. We all say, amen. This has been a podcast of The Bridge Church. Have a great week. Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.